guys? What's up? Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today we're talking about intuition. Mm. I was trying mm. to be quiet because I'm drinking water with ice in it. Uh, I, was, you know, I had a gut feeling you were drinking water with ice in it. Ice is very... <laughs> <laughs> ice is very, like, soft-sounding. But I bet the listeners can hear just a little bit of movement right there. Yep. I don't know. What is it with ice making super loud sounds? That's what we're going to talk about this week. Alex <laughs> wants to talk about ice. Why is ice so loud? James, I know that you've gotten some ice in the, the forecast in Kentucky recently. How was yeah, that? Yeah, I, uh, I was refusing to go anywhere for about 72 hours because it wasn't too bad, but I don't like driving on ice. And even more than that, I don't like driving next to people who are driving on ice. <laughs> yep, that's how that, that's how I feel. Uh, I'm not scared about what I'm going to do. Mm. I'm scared about what that idiot next to me is going to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to stay inside your house for 72 hours. I bet you that was really hard for you. <laughs> it just rained here. Yeah, it just rained here. It's gross. But anyways, James, what have you been up to? Uh, this and that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned about a new law on the book that's uh, it's, it passed the house. The Senate's voting on it. It's called the America Competes Act. And the part that bothers me is there's a provision in there that is a provision to a 122-year-old law called the Stacey Act, or Lacey Act, rather, that has nothing really to do with conservation because it was from 1900, but they've, like, added this stuff on it that's going to make it literally impossible to cross state lines with an animal that's not a dog, cat, cow, chicken, sheep, or pig. So, oh, yeah. so your spiders. Yeah, exactly. Well, not only that, like it'll stop effectively any kind of interstate commerce regarding these animals. So that sounds bad. It's going to be very bad. Like there are some animals that might go extinct over it. You know, in, the, in the name of conservation, that's the funny part. Axolotls, they're they're extinct in the their endemic habitats. Postlothera metallica, critically endangered. There's more of them in captivity. That's how their biodiversity is continuing, and then. You, you take one of the biggest countries in the world where they're being bred in mass and say, hey, you can't actually like breed them across state lines or sell them to people in other states. It's going to be bad. How would they, how would they, what's the word I'm looking regulate for? Regulate it? Yeah, regulate Enforce that. It. Basically what would happen yeah. is, you know, statistically speaking, you could break the law and probably not worry. It'd be kind of like speeding. <laughs> but uh the problem is, like, let's say I did move. Let's say I moved to Cincinnati, you know, an hour away, and I get pulled over while I'm transporting my creatures. The Fish and Wildlife would just take them and euthanize them, and that would be it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not a great law. So Good I'm Lord. calling my senators tomorrow. Do it. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Well, wow. that's quite a way to start off this week's episode, James. Yep. Very heavy. Yeah, well... Hopefully that doesn't happen so that you can take your spiders wherever you want them to be. People who are into fish and birds, too, are freaking out for the same reason. Yeah, I would be, too. Yeah, basically everything that's, again, if if you don't find it at the grocery store or on a leash, you can't have it anymore. James is going to be walking his axolotl around. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dog. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? I think that... It's it's time for a icebreaker. Huh? Good deal. If you could change yeah. any bill, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Actually, ooh, that is kind of a fun one. Um, have you ever broken any laws? 
Oh, yeah, let me go on the record and tell you all the horrible things I've done. No, I honestly, I'm pretty... I'm pretty by the books. Yeah. I don't think that I've ever really. I accidentally shoplift a lot, but I've, I've cut it down on it lately. <laughs> you just walk out of the store, get to your car. And you're like, oh. Yeah, no, really. I, I The problem is I'm doing it right now. I'm playing with a pen. If there's something that you can kind of fidget with at the store, <laughs> I'm going to walk out with it. <laughs> there you go. What's, what's you hear that target? Pin all your stuff down so yeah. guys can't walk around and play with it. What's the craziest thing you've ever accidentally shoplifted? I did return yeah. it for the record, but uh, a watch. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I was at a store, and here's the reason. Okay, it wasn't it was like a, a nice. Wa- <laughs> it wasn't a nice watch. It was a SpongeBob SquarePants watch that like flipped up. <laughs> That was the thing is it flipped up when you push the button and it would reveal like SpongeBob and Patrick. And so I was pushing the button over and over again because I'm a flipping child, basically. And uh, I, I ended up playing with it all, all the way out in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, I stole this watch. <laughs> I've accidentally like gotten to my car and then realized I had something in my cart that Ooh, I hadn't paid I for. You go take it back inside but i think that like the only thing that i've really done is drive a little faster than i should drive mm. alex but larceny oh. <laughs> um here we go I had an incident a very long time ago mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got i got arrested like many many years ago i was i was in high school I did a prank. It just went. Wait, 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 wait. This is, this is, I thought you were joking at first. No, no. I have to hear this story. (laughs) Yeah, no. Oh. So, so, it was a saran wrap prank. Uh, We used industrial size saran wrap. We ran them between between telephone poles. Oh, my God. And that way, (laughs) yeah. This is a lot worse than the toilet prank I thought you were going to bring up. No, no, no. So, so that way, most people would stop um, and be unable to get it down. And it was hilarious to watch people try to get this thing down because it's industrial set saran wrap. Mm. It's like, it's so thick. But then occasionally someone would drive through it, pop, and sound like a gunshot. And then people would get out and like search around and look and see what was happening. Alex is not condoning or suggesting anybody do this because is stupid. It's a crime. It's stupid. It's, it's a, a crime, crime as Alex. If TikTok had been around when you were a teenager, Alex, you would be in jail. That's the thing to take home here. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, apparently it's called wanton endangerment. Um, now people acted like, you know, ooh, we saw a motorcycle came by and didn't see. It's like, well, you would have stopped them if they're on a motorcycle. These people are in cars. They're going, they're in speed zones that are like 30 miles an hour at most. Like, But, you know, the courts didn't like it, so... I had to do more community service than drug dealers. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> like, like, I, like, people selling, like, crack got way less time than I did in terms of community service. This is – I love that I, I've known you for, like, 10 years and I've never known this. This is fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's it's not something that he really, you know, puts out there to the it world. It sounds like I, you're a little proud of it, though. So, again, I'm kind of shocked. Al, the worst – Alex <laughs> got grounded for how long? It was a while. It was yeah. a good while. His his parents were probably worse on him than the uh, community yeah. service. Something else I did that I forgot about till now. Um, I smuggled seeds from Japan to the United States, which is illegal. And Jeez. yeah, and here's the funny part: I don't have fingerprints, as you guys know. Oh, I'm actually. Have I ever talked about that on the show? 
No. Wait, <laughs> have I told you guys? No. So. What? This is crazy. Okay. I don't think so. Um, Did you yeah. chew them off when you were little? <laughs> I don't have fingerprints. When I was uh, eight years old, me and my oh, friends. Oh, I remember you touched the hot the hot jar. Yeah, yeah. Me and my friends tried to make jam, okay, and we got burned. And I got the worst of it because I held on to it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, I don't have fingerprints. That's the bottom line. Uh, I mean, they're they're there, but they're so shallow that it would take it has taken hours to get an effective fingerprint from me. Now, here's the thing: yakuza in Japan use acetone to get rid of their fingerprints, so it's associated with the underworld over there. Uh, so when I went through customs Ooh. to Japan, they were very concerned. <laughs> so it took a while to go through customs. Well, then on the way back, I smuggled cinchus seeds, which is just the, the strain of, of Camellia sinensis tea that they have. And that is a crime. And I'm sorry, Japan, I shouldn't have done that. If it makes you feel any better, they didn't germinate. But, uh, when I was doing that, what was funny about it was you don't have to go through customs in Japan. You go to customs in the U.S. And that was a breeze. <laughs> so when I was doing something wrong, they didn't care. But when I wasn't, it was a concern. So, yeah. Well, James. I just wanted to grow it for my own reasons. Oh, that didn't sound good oh, either. I'm sure that's what everyone I was doing it for selfish purposes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to lay the record, put the record out there. Alex has had his his uh, record cleaned. Yeah, it's been expunged. I mean, I was I was like sixteen at the time. Yeah. I wasn't. Even, I didn't have my license yet. Yeah. Um. I don't think. Yeah. No, I did not have my license yet. So fascinating. Yeah. It was a long time. It was a long time ago. I've, wow. Oh, here's the, <laughs> that was over. I yeah. was gonna say that's that's more than half a life. That was fifty ago. years oh, ago. Oh yeah. golly! <laughs> oh man! Uh, incidentally, who who came up with the idea? Was that you, or was it one of your friends? No, one of my friends. He's the, he's the one that had the ties to a paper company that had the industrial size Saran wrap. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, I was part of the group that came up with it. Yeah. Uh, my ideas are a little in there. Now, when my parents asked me, it was not my idea. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I told them like 15 years later that it was totally partially my idea. <laughs> there you have it, you guys. Alex has spilled his guts out to you. Now you know the worst thing he's ever done. Criminal. <laughs> <laughs> the Yakuza would gladly accept me into their ranks. Yeah. But you'd have to, you'd have to wipe your fingerprints back. I could do it. That's easy. <laughs> You know, I just gotta heat up some jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, you know what? I think it's time to instead talk about. Well, actually, first before we hop on into our topic this week on our Patreon, we are going to be talking about the dark side of Valentine's Day since Valentine's Day is next week. Ah. So, um, stay tuned for that. It's coming out tomorrow on Friday. So. Well, James, why do you sound so upset about that? Oh, I, I just I found out about it just now. <laughs> That's why he, he sounded intrigued. Yeah, I was intrigued. I sounded like an intrigued James. He sounded upset that I took like his own idea. From oh, him. you think he was? You think he he's was jealous? Uh, yeah, you, you got me. I actually have a fan fiction called "The Dark Side of Valentine's Day." <laughs> the Dark Side of Valentine's Day. All oh, right, man. listen, enough of that. If you want to tune in, you can find it on our Patreon. <laughs> it's a it's a 50 sh- Shades of Grey fan sequel. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Okay, all right. Enough of that, James. Instead, let's talk about intuition, Sounds okay? Good. Yeah, let's do it. 
Um, and I don't know. I mean, I need to go last, but okay. Oh, Alex definitely. Are... Alex is talking about instinct, so can't get more. Alex. Yeah, there we go. For, for 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 oh yeah, because it's like an earlier stage in the developmental process. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, sure. Words. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. Uh. So. Uh, <laughs> so. All right. My so, here's my sources. I I got my info from the conversation. Though it's a website. Uh, and their article is six cents question mark. How we could tell that eyes are watching us. A little bit. I just kind of peripherally looked at Vox uh, Properception article. I didn't really use a whole lot of it in my my write up. And then also Big Think. Why it is that you can sense when someone's staring at you? I can always tell when someone's staring at me. Mm-hmm. So everyone is familiar with what instinct is, right? You know, at least we have like a some sort of periphery idea of what that kind of means in most instances it's ascribed to something that's kind of a a primal almost lizard brain reaction to the world around it you know the mom lifting the car off the kid the bad vibe you get when someone uh you know uh is like you're kind of like in a crowd or something you just kind of get that bad vibe from somebody uh and then what i'm going to focus on is this kind of as my sources kind of revealed it's what a lot of us perceive as some sort of sixth sense, you know, how it is that we're able to sense when someone's staring at us from a distance. You know, we've all been somewhere in public where we feel like someone is watching us. You turn around and you make the oh so wonderful eye contact that is totally not awkward at all. That's that's what happened when I met you, babe. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, 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 you know, what caused this reaction? What caused you to feel that weird feeling that you needed to turn around? You know, was it some sort of supernatural sixth sense? Maybe. Or it could turn out to be, you know, a combination of a few factors that add in to describe this phenomenon. And, you know, it is an unusual phenomenon. First off, this sense by scientists is called gaze detection or gaze perception gaze detection i like that yeah and there are precise neurons in our brain that do light up when we use our gaze detection since they've studied this on uh monkeys and they've noticed that certain things fire when we get the feeling that someone is looking at us (laughs) now even if we haven't noticed something at least consciously, our brains are processing the world around us at all times. You know, one of the reasons that some scientists think that we even sleep is just so we can process the day. That's what I think. Um, And because we, yeah, and there's a good reason to think that we, we analyze so much data that we don't even consciously think of. And it's just, we're always processing. And I think this might be a pretty good example of showing how our brains are doing a lot of of the, I guess the thinking for the heavy us. lifting, yeah, <laughs> right, right, and so I think that's kind of why we why we sleep, and I think this is a good illustration of that. So scientists say that there's like, as you would expect, as you would expect, a complex neural network behind gaze detection. They say that, but what it really means is that we don't really know how the network is completely responsible for the phenomenon. We got an idea of where some things fire. We got an idea that, you know, because of these um, macaw, is it macaw monkeys? 
Macaque. Macaques. Macaque. Macaque monkeys. That we've got 10 distinct regions that we know for a fact are used on site alone. Now, scientists in particular, especially with this phenomenon, think that the amygdala, uh, which registers threats, is involved with gaze detection somehow. Of course, uh, your visual sense. cortex is going to be a, the, probably the primary factor in this somehow. Mm. Now, another interesting thing that I've never really realized is that humans are built to be red. Yeah. What? Yeah, you think we're built to be red? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, I think that, like, are you talking about, like, body language? And, that too, yes. Yeah, I think that we process and see what that's funny because it just... works both ways it's like a pun because <laughs> of blushing <laughs> yeah oh we're built to be red that... and we're built to be red that we're red <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good okay. oh haha so i mean if you really think about it you know how far away can you be from someone and still tell where they're looking right <laughs> you know the area of our eye that the, the what is it the sclera was that what it's how you pronounce it? The white You're part of the, the white, eye, yeah. James? Yeah, sclera is what I said, right. sure. Yeah, the sclera. It's huge. It's way bigger than other animals. It's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, uh, I don't think there's many other animals that have a, a sclera as large as ours. That is very this interesting. I'll, 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 I'll tell you a little more here in a sec, because I hadn't thought about oh, okay. this until now. Hmm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. But yeah, this makes it very hard, or very easy for us to see where someone's eyes are focused from a distance. Oh, this is very concerning. Um, <laughs> well, you know, we've talked in the past about um, Uncanny Valley and the idea that maybe there were creatures mm -hmm. that looked like us that were yeah. not us. Uh, yeah. The reason I was thinking about this, you, you mentioned this, Claire, I hadn't thought of this. I hadn't thought of this. Um, but if you look at eye spots in mimicry, that is to say animals that try to look predatory, they tend mm -hmm. to use white. Why? Why do they use our colors? Because very, you're right. Very few animals have a notable sclera. But butterflies trying to scare away birds, they use white. Huh. Oh, that's concerning. <laughs> James, James is over there spiraling. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, again, this makes it very easy for us to see someone's focus at a really large distance. Um, Fish do it and too. most animals mm. are hard. It's hard to position their eyes from a ways away. You know, if a cat is even like across the room, kind of looking somewhere, you're probably not going to be able to tell exactly where it's focusing. Whereas if we're looking across a room, you know, exactly if they're looking straight at you over your shoulder, I know where you're looking. you know, yeah. like, you know, exactly where that person's looking. Um, and now there's a couple of reasons for that, they think. So I think of cats for, again, the cats. Um, only if their body language really shows that they're looking at you, do you really know it, mm. I feel like. Um, or, you know, maybe if they're very close proximity. Now, whether this adaptation of ours is in line with, like, uh, predator detection, which they think uh, animals other than us use that for. So, like, you know, if a cat is skulking around, Maybe a squirrel think he's, thinks he's fine over to the right side because he can't tell that the cat is maybe looking at him. Uh, yeah. And, and we've mentioned before that with the exception of, of a few things like fish and, and some uh, birds of prey, 
generally speaking, predators have eyes placed like us to side by side in the front of the face. Interesting. So, yeah, but they think that that's just um, to hide their gaze from the prey. Now, whether our adaptation is in line with maybe predator detection, like maybe that's why we feel that way, or is it maybe more for communal purposes? Like, what is triggering that feeling in the back of our on the back of our neck? What makes our hair stand up? You know, is it because we're worried about something bad, or is it just because? Maybe we just think someone is wanting to interact with us. You know, almost every culture has a concept of the evil eye. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, uh, when I was younger, I had a psychic tell me that I could see the evil eye. Because mm. I saw, I used to see red, red like eyes everywhere I looked. Interesting. Yeah, I That's don't weird. like the evil eye. James, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um. The, and the reason I do mention communal purposes and not and that maybe this detection isn't just a fear response is because we use gaze detection all the time, especially in social interactions where we're in a group together. So think about, you know, when everybody's talking in a group and there's like one person, we use gaze detection to indicate who is listening, who is talking, who's going to be the next person to speak to. Mm-hmm. And so we use it a lot for communal purposes. Um, now, what a lot of it may come down to is that we have subco- subconsciously noticed odd things in our environment. You know, our peripheral vision may have sent a message to our brain that sometimes may register as like someone's head is facing kind of your direction. And the eyes were facing exactly where, where we are in, in that space. And so for that split second that maybe we caught them in the, our periphery vision and we turn. Yes, we didn't notice it, but our brain did and quickly sifted through all that information and sent us a message that someone was looking at us and maybe they wanted our attention or maybe something creepier. Mm. Now, we don't really know what the message is, right? We don't know if it's good or bad, but we do know that we very reflexively turn our heads to look at this feeling that we got. Yeah. Now... There's been some studies done, and a lot of people may claim that they don't ever turn their head that way and get the feeling, and then they and then they look only for so. Golly, sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> tongue tied here. So we have a memory bias, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to remember those times that we turn and we look, and no one's looking at us, right? When we get that feeling, we look, and then there's no one there, right? We don't remember those. Mm-hmm. We do remember the times that it does happen, and we look over, and we're like, oh. They're looking like, at wow, me. How did I know that? How was I right about it? But it's like, how many times have you done that? I've been wrong. Because <laughs> um, you've immediately dis- discarded those as soon as the moment passed, right? So we, first off, we do have a memory bias. And then we also have another interesting thing that might be happening Uh-oh. when these things happen. Yeah. Well, you know, when we turn our head, we may be triggering someone else to do the same at about the same time. Because they can see out of your peripheral vision, out of their peripheral yeah, vision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they might be. I mean, they might be looking in our general area, and then as we turn our head and start facing them, their eyes look at us, and then we're both staring at each other. Nice awkward. and awkward. <laughs> it's nice and awkward, right? Um, which is not unusual. I mean, how many times have... I mean, this happens to me a lot, actually. I'll just be like, sitting there, staring into space, and then suddenly I have eye contact with somebody, and I'm like... This is awkward. <laughs> like, because they just turned their head, they looked at me, and I just ever so slightly had to turn, uh, shift my eyes, and now I've got a great awkward moment to remember. 
That does happen to you a lot. Yeah. So I think that that's a really great example of instinct happening in a way that we just, even now we don't quite comprehend, but I think we are starting to figure that out. (sighs) But it's just an impulsive reaction to our environment around us. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you, Alex. And James, you're talking about psychological instinct. Yeah. Or intuition. Psychological intuition. It's funny. See, your instincts were right, though. There's a huge amount of overlap between me and Alex. So, (laughs) um, and yeah, uh, one thing Alex was mentioning before was, you know, human beings acting without really cognitively thinking about it because we're bombarded by information. And I can't think of a better example, and we've talked about it before when we talked about hypnosis, is people drive for tens, sometimes hundreds of miles down the interstate, and they sort of snap into reality when they get near their destination. And they're like, oh, wow, I've been on the road. Um, and the question then is, well, who was driving? <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> the person was driving, but what part of their mind was driving? If you get really good at driving, you just sort of go on autopilot and you get used to it, especially if you've been down that road many times. And Mm -hmm. what happens is your subconscious is just like, don't worry about it. I got this. And that makes a lot of sense. I've never heard this argued before, but it makes a lot of sense when you consider how many calories a person's brain consumes. The mind is a huge, huge calorie sink. There's a reason why it got bigger in us and very few other animals. And it was because the better we got at getting calories because of intelligence, the bigger our brain was permitted to grow. And so what's cool about it is if you think about it, cognitive thought is a bit of a calorie sink. And so in instances where it's not necessary for survival, the subconscious is like, no, don't worry about it. I'll tell you if, uh, you know, somebody gets on the wrong side of the road. And I think that's a lot of what psychological intuition is. It's literally just the subconscious making decisions based on the information that we're already bombarded with every day. And then we call them gut feelings. And there's two ways you can look at it being called gut feelings. One could just be, well, you know, when you get concerned about something, you have like a pit in your stomach, right? You have that kind of uh, emotional response. Mm. But I think there's a more interesting element to this. A quick question, you two. What is the biggest organ in the human body? The biggest organ? Yeah. Maybe the lungs. Oh, besides what? the skin. Is this oh, the skin Alex, Alex, there you go. The skin. What's the second largest organ? <laughs> Alex, you go. I don't know. I remember they recently discovered that there's another organ oh. in between the skin oh. and the entire Stepping body. Stepping on my toes some more. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, well, I thought you were going to say liver because liver is pretty dang big. But yeah, uh, two new organs were discovered just in the past four years. One was discovered in like 2017, 2018, and one was discovered uh, like, let's see, 2020. Um, And the one that was discovered in 2020 is less important, but it's newer. So I just wanted to bring up that there was an organ discovered in 2020, (laughs) uh, which is just insane. It's behind the salivary glands. So how cool is that? Yeah, that's that's nuts. But what one of the things I was going to mention, we talk about a gut response. Well, up until just a couple of years ago, people, when they saw the abdominal region, they just saw strips of connective tissue behind the what we think of as the organs, like the stomach, the spleen, and all that. But turns out the reason why they hadn't seen it is because when you 
do perform a biopsy on a person, or sorry, a biopsy, a uh, autopsy on a person, or or you examine human remains, they're they're just that, they're remains. And so, turns out, until the advent of modern technology, that we weren't able to see something that collapses upon death, and that is called the interstitium. And the interstitium is just under the skin. And what's really interesting about it is that there's a huge component of it surrounding the abdominal area. And that might be the reason why we have these, what we call gut feelings or gut instincts has everything to do with that. Because what's really neat about the interstitium, which again was only discovered because of like flipping uh, uh, confocal endomicroscopy is that it, <laughs> it acts as kind of like I mentioned before that uh, the, uh, Oh shoot! What is that part of the brain? Um, Alex, you mentioned it, and I called it the watchman. The amygdala. Yes, the amygdala. Thank you. Um, the amygdala is called the watchman. Well, this is also kind of a watchman. It watches out for bacteria, viruses, even tumors. And its actual role isn't fully understood, but it's believed that it might actually be really good at helping contend with cancer. So it's a really neat thing, but the reason why I'm bringing it up is when we're talking about instinct from an, or sorry, when we're talking about intuition from a psychological perspective, it's easy to get caught up in the abstractions of the mind, but really there's like a bunch of watchmen on a cellular level within a person. There there are ways that we, as a, a body, are capable of analyzing and interpreting information, identifying threats, and dealing with those threats in ways that doesn't even involve the mind at all. I mean, we're talking about killer T cells. We're talking about the overall function of the immune system and how it survives on a cellular level. So the reason I bring all that up is if cells, which don't have minds, are capable of identifying and contending with danger, then why couldn't the sum total interactions of cells also result in a way of dealing with external threats, threats outside the body. In other words, hmm. I would argue that because we, we think of it as normal, for example, when neural impulses running through our muscular tissue result in movement, we think of that as normal. We watch a ballerina pirouette and we think very little of it, even though so much is going on on a cellular level, and yet, at the same time, a lot is happening in terms of all those cells working together to achieve an aim based on conscious thought being translated into movement. Well, the same rules apply when it comes to, for example, the amygdala response. If somebody is walking in, in prehistoric times and something bursts through the greenery, which, is, by the way, is why we're able to perceive more shades of green than any other color, uh, you know, different light dancing on different leaves mm. would reveal the presence of a predator. Uh, when that happens, the amygdala, the watchman, causes an immediate response, uh, outpouring of adrenaline from the adrenal glands above the kidney. Perhaps the interstitium plays an important role in that, which is why we have those uh, sinking feelings. Some of that is also just your body trying to get you to urinate and defecate so you run faster. But uh, <laughs> but but all those effects happen from sensory data that is subconscious in nature. And so I would argue that from a psychological standpoint, what we call these gut instincts have absolutely nothing 
to do with our higher brains. And I would even say probably has nothing to do with the midbrain. It probably has everything to do with cellular response and uh, reptile brain response. And lastly, this is something I'm just going to gloss over because it's a, a much smaller thing, but it's neat because I'm moving from cellular intuition to the intuition of something that doesn't even have cells. And that is AI. Because you've heard of Ooh. artificial intelligence, but there's also yeah. artificial intuition. And hmm. yeah, yeah, it's pretty dang fascinating because, again, as Alex touched upon, uh, well, you didn't just touch upon it, you talked at length about it. Um, intuition is probably the sum total of us making decisions based on being bombarded by a lot of information that we're not consciously aware of. But you could make that argument for everything that happens on Earth. It's all rather predictable. Uh, I know I've mentioned in a previous episode that every living being that we come across is making decisions in that moment based on what they think is in their best interest. And once you realize that, you can kind of figure out what that creature is probably going to do in the next moment or at the very least over time. Well, Google and Amazon and IBM and a bunch of other tech companies are looking into ways, and it's already being created in many set respects, about AI that does exactly what our subconscious does. It's presented with tons and tons of data sets. It uses different algorithms to correlate anomalies within those data sets. And in doing so, it's able to not just understand the world, but to predict the world, to predict things that could happen. So it's kind of neat that we, we went from instinct to possibly the higher brains, but really ultimately it comes down to cellular and, and reptile brain responses. And now we're moving on to something where it's conceivable that very soon we will actually see intuition being applied, something that we tend to think of as woo-woo, being applied in, in actual computers. Wow. Yeah. That'd be nuts. It'd be nuts and scary. I'm, I'm getting uh, yeah. psychopath vibes, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I don't right? like it. <laughs> what color is your hue? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's my turn. I today am talking about psychic intuition. Ooh. Yes. In my opinion, James, I feel like psychic intuition works almost the exact same way <laughs> as instinct and psychological. So it's like for me, I have trouble kind of separating the psychic. Hey, lizard rhymes with wizard. Ooh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> Well, in some cultures, obviously, intuition is viewed as a more spiritual or religious kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of talking about it in that way. But I, I had trouble finding a lot of information on just like psychic intuition. Everything was like, oh, you know, psychic intuition is being clairvoyant. And it's basically like just being a psychic in general was mm -hmm. what a lot of websites that I read talked about. So... Instead of going into just the psychic intuition part of it, I'm going to kind of tell you guys how some people think that you, we all have the psychic abilities to be intuitive. Okay. But we just have to practice to pull it out of ourselves. Okay. All right. Yes. And Alex, I know that you are the denier on the show. Mm. You're the skeptic. Yes. Do you think that if I run through these steps that you could become a psychic at the end of this? Yeah, I, anything is possible. While I am skeptical, 
I like to leave my mind open. Mm. Okay, well, let's let's see if we can harness that psychic power inside you. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I found a wonderful article uh, on wellandgood.com, and it outlined four different steps that you as a human can use to trap your psych- psychic powers. Okay. Mm. Yes, and these steps are outlined by a psychic medium named Laura Lynn Jackson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why did she say their name like we were all going to gasp? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> That's true. Not Laura Lynn Jackson. Yes, wow. Jackson. <laughs> From college? Mm. Okay, step one. This is what she says. You need to first, in order to tap into your psychic prowess, you need to uh, be open to tapping into your psychic side. Okay, I am open. Yeah, Alex, that's exactly, yeah. I am open. I, I felt like this would be the hardest part for you because, you know. No, well, I've got this all You have trouble. I'll be the best psychic you've ever seen. Well, you're, you're so dismissive about things that I'm just like. Well, I'm open. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, anyways, um, Laura Lynn Jackson thinks it's, it's uh, a lot of people are afraid to do this, to be open to tapping into their psychic side because they're scared of it. Oh, no. I would definitely use this to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, in order to overcome the obstacle, Jackson suggests openly declaring to the universe that you are ready for your psychic gift. So, Alex, you already did it. Yeah, I was going to do it again, but I guess I don't need to do it again. No, you've already said it. You've already told this, the universe that you're ready. Come on, universe. James, have you have you told the universe that you're ready to accept your psychic powers? Sure I am. <laughs> he sure is. Okay, step two. Practice reading people's energy. And this is something literally and this is this is kind of goes back to your detection gaze or whatever it is, Alex, your gaze detection. Cause it said that um you need to you need to be conscious of paying attention to other people's energy and kind of how they're feeling and how they're thinking by just watching them, which is kind of creepy, right? Mm. Yeah, like, she recommended going to a store and paying attention to somebody and then striking up a conversation with that person to see if what you thought was actually how they're feeling and the energy that they're giving off, Mm. which is kind of creeps me out it's a little kind bit. of funny oh, if you get rid of the conversational component this is a good exercise just for situational awareness hmm. yeah it's weird every time i try this how to talk to someone they're always horny <laughs> oh my gosh oh my god i'm gonna get you i'm gonna punch you in your face okay all right, let's move on to step three because I don't want Alex to pay attention to anybody's energy in public. Okay, step three. Wow. Alex has gotten himself I knew it, yeah. riled up. He's giggling. <laughs> he's, he's not going to be able to stop laughing at this one. He's had to take his headphones out. My chest hurts. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, step three. Predict how places we're going to look. And this goes back to our remote viewing episode, if you'll remember that one, dear listener. But close your eyes and try to picture this place that you're going to go that you've never been to before. And Jackson says what you should do is you should sit down, close your eyes, tell the universe that you want to see this place that you're going to go before you you go there. Mm-hmm. And then take a piece of paper and draw down what you think the place is going to look like. Mm. And she said that when you get home and you look at your picture, you're probably going to see some similar 
shapes. I hope so. Like a window. Like a, you drew, you drew a rectangle yeah, I might draw on your a paper, <laughs> and there's a window. So to me, like this is a bunch of baloney, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But maybe I just needed a what clear if you the can universe. Draw, what if I'm you ready draw to your, the hotel you. you're staying at next perfectly? Then you might. All be like, hotels wow. look exactly the same. This is wow. actually creepy. Uh, when I went to Podfest last year. Oh, by the way, everybody, I'm speaking of Podfest this year. Um, when I went to Podfest, uh, sorry, two years ago, wow, before the world ended, um, I was at a hotel and I was like, this is so eerie. Why do I feel like I've been here before? And I told my older sister about that when I was there and she gasped and she's like, you were here. You were you were at that hotel when you were four. Oh, that's weird. It's very James. weird, right? Interesting. Very cool. Yes, James. Look at him. He remembered these memories from when he was four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. Condescending. <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> no. no, for me, it's just like all hotels look exactly the same. You walk in, there's the bed, there's a little table with a TV on it, and then there's a window, and you're either staring at you know the side or the, the side of the roof or something at the hotel. Or if you're in a tropical place like you were, James, could you see the ocean from your hotel room? I could not, but I saw plenty of palm trees. Plenty of palm trees. That's all that matters when you're in Florida. Okay. All right. So anyways, yeah, if we have any any listeners that do do remote viewing, I have trouble just imagining this being real. So let me know if it works for you. And finally, I'm going to hop into step four, okay? Become friends with your spirit guide. Oh, okay. James, do you have a spirit guide? None that you know about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we supposedly have lots of them. I personally do believe in spirit guides, and I think that it's mostly because I I can feel like a spirit being with me. Like, does that? Does that I don't know if that's oh, weird wow. or not. Yeah, oh, okay. I believe in spirit guides. Okay, get out, get off your high horse, Alex. Okay. Um, and maybe when I was little, I remember my mom when I would get scared because I always got scared when I was little. My mom was like, you know, pray to your guardian angels, and I feel like guardian angels and spirit guides could technically be the same thing. <laughs> so. Anyways, if you become friends with your spirit guides, your spirit guide is going to give you signs. Uh, I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Going to give you signs that will help you tap into your psychic nature. So it's like you become psychic because your spirit guide's like, hey, James, hey, James, listen, I got to tell you something. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then you're, you know, you're predicting things that nobody else knew. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I like it. This. But one thing that Jackson recommended was asking your spirit guide for signs. Like, you know, am I on the right career path? If I'm on the right career path, show me this specific thing. And she said to be as specific as possible. So she was like, you know, ask to see a blue turtle if if you're, you know, on the right path. What if you say you want a pink turtle, something that's just not found in nature? Is that like too much of a reach? Well, blue turtles aren't no. found in nature either, Alex. Well, what if they're got got painted on? They, got blue <laughs> they, they could have pink paint on them too, well, but hopefully that never happens. Touche. No, I like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of asking for signs just because I feel like it shows lack of faith. Yeah, and we own the movie, so you don't have to ask. <laughs> wow. Alex, you were, you were in a weird headspace tonight. Hmm. Your intuition is just, okay, you can't tell that I'm annoyed with you right now. Can no, you? I can't. <laughs> I have the psychic awareness to block it out. I did. When we were at the coffee shop doing our research, James, Mm -hmm. 
I asked Alex, I was like, I I think that I'm psychic because part of me thinks that I do have some intuitiveness. Mm -hmm. But Alex was like, if you're psychic, tell me what what, uh, I'm thinking. And I told him exactly what he was thinking. You did? Yeah. What was I thinking? I, I uh, that you think that psychic being a psychic is a total baloney. Yeah, that, that, that he said you think that I'm full of baloney. I said yes. That's yes, right. good job. <laughs> You're crazy psychic. It was it was so demeaning in public, James. It made me so <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But anyways, I did I did find it all though. So okay, those are the four steps that you can do if you want to try to tap into your psychic intuitiveness. Okay. Okay. James, do you think that you can do all those things? Definitely. James, do you think that you are psychic? Oh yeah. See, James is psychic too. Everybody thinks they're psychic. No one thinks they're not. You guys think that I learn all these things I talk about. <laughs> no, he just pulls up for What if ass. James is not actually saying anything and it's his spirit guide speaking through him? Mm-hmm. What if he is just Wikipedia? That would be crazy. Yeah, what if James is literally just a computer and Ooh. we just... Like, <laughs> We've met him a few times, though. I know, but what if, what if... Yeah, yeah, holograms. Oh. He has to plug himself I was wondering in. why that drone was hovering over his head <laughs> at all times. <laughs> yeah, you thought that was an impression. This is my natural voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find another article about how to tell if you're a psychic mm. on Oprah.com by the very same Laura Lynn Jackson. And some of her tips had me going, hmm. So she says that if if your gut has saved you in your life at least once, you might be psychic. It does it all the time. I eat all the time. Alex, no, I do. I do think that it's possible that my gut did save my life. Because do you remember during the little funnel cloud twister thing that landed in Bowling Green when we were there not too long ago? Yes. If I had gone to Kroger like I was going to go. No and one then, died it there, though. I know, but, well, I still could have been right there driving past where it landed in front of the mm, gas yeah. station right when it happened. Well, it's just like uh, people who buy plane tickets get a bad feeling about it and avoid a crash. Yeah, exactly. I've been there. I've done that. So I think that it works. Uh, it's impressive that you had that bad feeling when the cow horns were going off. Alex, <laughs> they didn't start going off until I started driving <laughs> home. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, See? Man. I can't live with this man anymore. I just okay. Imagine Cece on the Titanic and pointing at an iceberg. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would have. I would have been one of those people that got the tickets and then been like, something doesn't feel right, and I would have stayed home. Oh, okay. So thanks, James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and James, this one's for you. If you have synesthesia, you might be a psychic. Oh, interesting. So, totally do. Good job, James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bitter much? If you find correlations between your dreams and daydreams occurring in real life, that equals psychic. Mm. James, does that happen to you where you dream about something and then you see it in your real life? Oh, yeah. See? James is psychic. But then then her fourth sign was about being more insightful and being able to tell things about people by just, like, looking at them, which I imagine could... If if you could do that, yeah, that would probably be an intuitive ability. Mm-hmm. But her tip for opening up this ability was to drink two glasses of wine. <laughs> 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 and she said that when she was in college, That's after amazing. drinking two glasses of, of wine or dr- having two drinks, she was able to tell things about people 
And she says that the reason for this was because the drinks calmed her brain down so that she could, like, tap into this person and be able to tell things about them. She could overcome her ego. Yeah, she said she she would freak guys out, and they'd be like, how do you know that about me? And are you a stalker? And then she'd be like, no, I'm just a little bit psychic. (laughs) Are you a stalker? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. See, I I can't say anything about this one because I don't drink. I've never, never drank before. So it's like... Maybe having two glasses of wine does do that. You can achieve the same effect from uh, sniffing a gallon of paint thinner. So There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for the tip, James. No, nobody li- nobody listen to that tip. Please don't <laughs> go and sniff paint thinner in order to do this. We don't endorse it. We do not endorse it at all. But anyways, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I found that that was the last thing I found from Laurel and Jackson. And then it made me look at all the rest of the stuff that I'd, I'd written out. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. But I do think that there is some intuitive, you know, I think that everybody's, it's hard for me to kind of bridge the gap between these things. Because to me, intuition feels more psychological and instinctual, which could also be part of how some people are quote unquote psychic. Yes. So if you've got these abilities and you've got this intuition, why couldn't you use it in a way that would lead people to think that you are psychic? I do believe that there are people out there who have abilities that we can't explain, but when it comes to intuition, it's, I guess for me, it's just like, it's just words. They're just words. They're just words. This. That's all I have. You guys. Psychic intuition was hard to research. Okay. Do you have anything that you want to add on psychic intuition, James? That's all I got. That's all that James has, you guys. James is done talking. He's tired. Alex is just cackling in the corner over here because he's cracking himself up today. (laughs) So I think that's that's it. Our music is by Greg Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, iTunes, Apple Music. Um, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music. Yes, you can. But you know what? Before we sign off, we do need to tell you what we're going to talk about next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next it's part week. part of the show. Yes, it's a part of the show. Next week, our dear Patreon subscriber and listener and friend, Jordan, has asked us to talk about restricted and secret places that are not necessarily like, you know, government run or super top secret. It's more so... Restricted from the normal person yeah. due to some other factor, like a, a exclusive club or something. Oh. Like so, silly hidden spots. Yes. Just okay. odd hidden spots. I gotcha. So you guys, that's what we're talking about next week. Thank you, Jordan, for submitting that topic into the Patreon vase. Yeah. I think that is all that I have for today. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that with that, you guys, it's time to sign off. So until next week, we hope that you can... Keep it straight.